And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. There are some days, there are some days, it just does not pay to get out of bed. There are some weeks like that. (sighs) All right, here we go. Welcome everyone, we are live from the bunker, I think, maybe... My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Happy to have you all with us. We are live broadcasting uh, to Odyssey, Facebook, and YouTube. I see Tom over there in the Odyssey chat. Happy Friday to you as well. And yes, I hope we have a good stream too. Um, through through no fault of anybody's, uh, as far as I know, uh, we're having some tech issues here. And uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we can get through it because I've already had to reboot. I've had to reinstall software this morning. So that's yeah, that's enough of that. So yeah, it's um, it's going to be one of those days, I think, already. So anyway, all right. So the chat's open. Uh, comments if you're here with us, not live. Of course, the email address live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com, and we are available on a number of different podcast platforms. Happy to have all of you with us, uh, and uh, yeah, Dave, <laughs> are you still buying? You still buying your 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 tech from Jawas? No, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's death angel shadow stone martin weasels are a real thing they they really are that's that's one of the reasons why we started blaming them instead of gremlins because we actually had i ran across a news story about stone martin weasels um going after uh i think what was it mercedes or bmws over in germany i think it was mercedes they they have a particular affinity for uh, for those um, cars and their their um, wires inside, hoses and stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a thing apparently. So anyway, I uh, do want to give a quick shout out to the nominees for the Saturn Awards that just got uh, that just got announced. Deadline reporting it this morning. The Batman is part of that. You've got acting nominations for Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley got a nomination. A few. Uh, it says here, Marvel Studios dominated this year's noms in the film and streaming category. So, uh, so we'll be looking at all of that. Of course, uh, Mandalorian got some nominations. Book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan Kenobi, Star Wars: The Bad Batch. Every, every everybody's been nominated for a Saturn Award. All of them. Everybody. We didn't. We haven't been nominated for a Saturn Award, or a Webby, or a. I don't know what else, but, you know, that's okay. 
that's okay. We don't do it for the accolades. We don't do it for the admiration. We don't do it for the, for the attention. And we certainly don't do it for the money. <laughs> so, so there's that. All right. So shout out to everybody who's listening to us as a podcast. We've got people in Russia and the Philippines, Spain, the UK, Germany, Poland. Uh, nice to have all of you with us as well. Um, <laughs> Daniel says sci-fi for me should get a Hugo. Man, why would you want to do that to us? <laughs> I mean, really, really, that's oh, ouch! I sh I should put you in timeout for that, <sighs> but I won't. That's okay. All right, so um, yes, it's it's Friday. It's casual Friday, and I I thought I. would I'd take a minute because we've been having so many tech woes. It's actually kind of timed out pretty well that this week. Okay. So Tuesday night I'm getting ready and I'm, and I'm prepping for our Wednesday conversation with Mark Rakup who, uh, who owns uh, fiberglass freaks. They make Batmobiles up in Indiana and I, I had everything set. I had all of my, all of my, all of my Windows tabs open. I had all of the broadcast tabs, all the control panels. Every, everything was all set. It was, I don't know, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to leave it. It's all ready to go. And I just come in here in the studio in the morning. We'll be all ready to go for the show. I come in Wednesday morning. And my computer has rebooted itself. And I don't know if it if it was a Windows update that happened or something something whatnot happened over overnight Tuesday night. I come in Wednesday morning, everything's off. The computer has rebooted and it's it's hey, ready to go. I've started up again. And I have had problems ever since. I've had audio issues. The the sound on the interview with Mark is a little hinky. <coughs> and I was doing a doing an interview, recording an interview for tomorrow morning's program. And I had to, I had to do all sorts of weird things to, to make the whole thing work again. So I've got to go through and put my IT hat on today because as I'm getting ready to start this show, OBS, the program that we use for broadcast, continues to crash. And so I... I had to reinstall the program. I had to reboot the computer again, all of this stuff, because it wouldn't let me get into the settings so I could I could put in the, the stream key to connect to YouTube and all these others. And I'm like, why, why of all days today? This is our prep day for Good Morning Multiverse. I got a lot of stuff that I got to do. We got the show to do today. We got an interview to record. I got all this stuff going on, and my computer is deciding to go, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm like, no, not today. But it's kind of appropriate. Because while all of this has been going on throughout the week, I've popped up a couple of, you know, a couple of stories have, 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 have run across the transom related to the technology, the tech world. And I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Because there's some stuff what's going on, and I don't know that a whole lot of people are talking about it. Maybe 
but you know, it's, it's possible that I, I mean, I don't pay attention to the tech blogs, so it's entirely possible that this stuff has been talked about quite a bit over there. But I thought it was interesting because it does kind of intersect with some of the things that we've been talking about here. And yes, yes, the Windows, Windows likes to make up everything. Oh, someone says, bite the bullet, install Windows 11. <laughs> Uh, you know, if I could go back, my my big thing, I ha and I have so told Mrs. Boss this. If I could keep Windows 7 XP, I would be fine. Because Windows 7 XP, to me, has been, out of all of the different Windows operating systems that we've had, Windows 7 XP is the most stable is the most compatible. It works with everything. Everything ran on Windows 7. I didn't have any issues with it. The only, the only problem that I had with Windows XP is when my computer, which was 17 years old, decided it was tired. And it would take a very long time to boot up and launch software and, and process and that kind of thing. But that wasn't an operating system problem. I hate Windows 10. I'm sure I will hate Windows 11 when I'm forced to adjust to that. It's like my dad says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There is no you know, security patches and, and malware blocking and all that other stuff. Sure, fine. You update so it keeps the, keeps the bad stuff out, the malware code. But I would argue that Windows is probably just as, just as terrible as any malware that you get. You know, given how much all of this tech spies on you anyway, right? All hail our Google lords and masters. <clears throat> Hi, Aunt Susan. <sighs> anyway, so, so there is all of that. Um... What? Okay, so Death Angel Shadow tells it Windows 11 moves the start bar to the middle of your screen like it's one of those crapples. Are you seriously? Are you the start? The start menu is now in the middle. Does it? Does it? Does it ro roll through and scroll when you do like like the Macs do when you when you roll on it and it pops over and you go that's dumb. Oh, it's dumb. Wes Moody did nothing wrong. Who's Wes Moody? Mrs. Boss, can you look up Wes Moody? I might have missed something here. I don't know what this is. I don't know who that is. It's in the middle on the bottom, he says. Anyway. All right, so so as I'm scrolling through all these different things coming across my feed this week, I notice a few stories. And it seems like this has become... A thing because the tech companies appear to not be getting along as well as they have in the past. And I don't know what exactly has prompted all of this, but it it, it feels like there's some it feels like there's some cracks in the wall for big tech. And it's it's well past time. Uh, this article here, uh, USA Today, Sony allegedly pays studios to avoid Xbox Game Pass, claims Microsoft. 
So Microsoft and Sony are button heads. Uh, this from the article here, it says thus far, uh, this is from Kyle Campbell, this is August 11th, so yesterday. Thus far, the ongoing saga of Microsoft's near $70 billion purchase of Activision Vision, uh, Activision Blizzard, rather, is 2022's most significant gaming story. However, the transaction still needs approval from several regulatory bodies, including <laughs> the Federal Trade Commission and UK's Competition and Markets Authority, Brazil's Administrative Council for Economic Defense. Sony recently told Cade the Call of Duty ownership could sway console sales in Xbox's favor, and now Microsoft is responding with fresh accusations. Microsoft has now filed a 27-page document stating that Sony pays publishers and developers not to put titles on rival subscription services such as Xbox Game Pass. Cade, this is the one down in, uh, down in Brazil, Cade published the original paper online in Portuguese, and uh, VGC, uh, I guess is another site, uh, Video Games Chronicle, provided English translations. Uh, quote, considering that exclusivity strategies have been at the core of Sony's strategy to strengthen its presence in the games industry, and that Sony is a leader in the distribution of digital games, Sony's concern with possible exclusivity of Activision's content is incoherent, to say the least, Microsoft said. Now, let me, let me, uh, let me digress there for a moment and point out my own my own experience with Sony, because in video production, Sony does this kind of thing as well, because uh, on the professional side of, of production, you have your, your cameras and you have your videotape decks, back when we were using videotape decks, and when you went to digital video, you had specific video codecs for the different ways that the files were encoded and, and how they're processed and that kind of thing. And Sony uses proprietary material all the way across the board. So if you shoot something on a Sony camera, at least this was the case 15 years ago, and I don't, I don't have any, any reason to think that it's changed. You shoot something on a Sony camera, uh, when you pull the tape and you pop it into a video deck, it has to be a, vid a, a Sony video deck. It won't play on a Panasonic. It won't play nice with any of the others. So Sony gives this you know, thing here with, with PlayStation. It, I don't have any doubt that they, that they stay with this whole exclusivity thing because that's what Sony does. At least in my experience, Sony has always been proprietary. They don't like other machines playing with their with their material. So, anyway, all right. So there's a there's a conversation going on in the chat. Wes Moody of whatever cast, his old channel, Wes Moody webcast was nuked because of the Star Trek porn parodies he would show on his old channel. I okay, yeah, I could see where that would be. <laughs> I could see where that would get him. Where he get his channel uh, um, gone? Ugh. All right, yeah. Well, and and so and so this story here, this doesn't surprise me that Sony would be doing something like this. And of course, Microsoft 
how many how many exclusive titles have we had on Game Pass? I'm not a gamer, so that's a legitimate question here. I don't know the answer to that. It's not a rhetorical question. This is how, you know how how many how many titles have gone exclusive to Microsoft Xbox, right? Uh, Sony does not want attractive subscription services to threaten its dominance in the digital distribution market for console games. Microsoft continues in the filing. In other words, Sony rails against the introduction of new monetization models capable of challenging its business model. Which, okay, that's uh, that's a thing. So Microsoft and Sony are going after each other. Microsoft's going at Sony, and I'm sure that Sony will respond uh, because this story is just developing, and I'm and I'm sure that there will be some back and forth chatter on this and some conversations to be had, and probably. Uh, to a certain extent, maybe some legal challenges. Because if Sony fires back and says, you know, Activision, uh, Microsoft really shouldn't be able to buy Activision because then they turn into this big monolith and, and monopoly, blah, 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 blah. Who knows? Uh, yeah, David's like Blu-ray, some disc will resume playback. There, there, are some, uh, there are some machines that are region-specific, but... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I can understand some of that because you got to sell the players, right? And Dan's right. Microsoft is, uh, how dare they do exactly what we do? It, it's, it's one of those things. Now, here's the other thing. Uh, are, is our audio stuttering? Are we, are we buffering at all? Are we doing anything? I want to I wanna double check because, you know, tech being what it is, who knows? What? All right, Mrs. Boss is our our official program monitor, and she is uh, she is checking on that. So here's the other story, a, a, an other story. Uh, Google opposes Facebook-backed proposal for self-regulatory body in India. This is an article in the Times of India. This is uh, Reuters, uh, August eleventh. And I'm not sure what the store or what what the background is on this. This is from New Delhi. Google has grave reservations about developing a self-regulatory body for the social media sector in India to hear user complaints, though the proposal has support from Facebook and Twitter, sources with knowledge of the discussions told Reuters. India, in June, proposed appointing a government panel to hear complaints from users about content moderation decisions, but has also said it is open to the idea of a self-regulatory body if the industry is willing. The lack of consensus among the tech giants, however, increases the likelihood of a government panel being formed, a prospect that Meta Platform Inc.'s Facebook and Twitter are keen to avoid as they fear government and regulatory overreach in India. Hmm. I wonder why. Why would you fear government looking into your business and regulating your business? Now, let me be clear on something. As a conservative, as a constitutionalist, as a Republican, as a Christian, as, as somebody who believes in limited government... I would be opposed to a government regulatory body specifically on this, too. However, given the ubiquity of social media, 
and the fact that it is technically not in the legal definition, but technically it is in the part the the public square. I I think at least here in the United States, it should be treated as any other communications utility, so telephone, internet, uh, broadcast, and there is some regulatory stuff that applies there, and that would mean taking out Section 230 protection and holding these companies responsible for when things go awry. And we'll get to that in just a second. But this is similar to what happened in the comics industry a number of decades ago because the, the, the whole thing with Wortham's book coming out saying that comics were, comics were turning kids gay or whatever, you know, the, the whole Batman and Robin thing and all these different things, you have uh, the government starting to look at the comics industry and the comics industry said, no, 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 no. We don't want the government regulating us. We don't want the government telling us what to do. We'll put together our own body, uh, our own regulatory body, and that's how we got the Comics Code Authority, which was essentially the comic book industry censoring itself to make sure that the government didn't step in and say, well, you can't print that, you can't write that, you can't tell that story, you can't show that picture, you can't draw it that way. And that's a stopgap. It's, it's, it's good to prevent the government from getting into your pockets like that. Because whenever the government decides that they're going to get involved in your business, it's very hard to get them out of your business. And that's one of the things that we keep seeing, right? Is, is the government decides that they want to be involved in something and it turns into a mess. I mean, look at healthcare. Anytime the government sits there and says, we're from the government, we're here to help, you know it's going to be a disaster. Or it's going to turn into some kind of, a, of, a, of an authoritarian police state type of thing where the government's going to tell you what to do and never you mind uh, questioning it. And if you do question it, then maybe we'll, maybe we'll show up on your doorstep with badges and, and bulletproof vests and, and battering rams. And yeah, the Department of Education is a good example of that. Because we didn't have a cabinet-level federal Department of Education until 1976 in the Carter administration. And schools were doing just fine until then. But once you get the, the federal government mucking about in this stuff, things go awry things go a little bit sideways because there's money. And whenever there's money involved, there's strings attached. And when the federal government gets involved, they said, they go, okay, you're going to do this. If you want to continue getting the funding that we, that we put out, you're going to do this for us. And yeah. Well, and Death Angel Shadow was talking about the, the new 87,000 IRS employees. Uh, just, just in point of fact, I, wanna, I, I, do, I did look into this at one point before all of this happened uh, with this new bill that's been proposed with these new 87,000 IRS agents. The IRS does have a criminal investigation division. They have had one for a long while. And the CI division has always had 
the authority to be armed. So this is not anything new. The, the, the people on you know the conservative side of things are making hay about this and bringing it to people's attention is that does have value, yes. But the criminal investigation division has always had agents that are armed. Um, but I don't think that I've ever seen a recruiting, you know, a job ad that says, by the way, you've got to be ready to use deadly force. I mean, deadly force is not what you, ex what you expect to connect with the IRS. Maybe it's me. I, I just, you know. But, you know, if if that was the case, then, uh, you know, there would be there would be a whole lot more. Well, I'm not going to go down that road. OK, anyway, but it's it's nothing new to have armed agents from the IRS in in the criminal investigation. division. Now, the auditors. That's a different thing. That's not criminal investigation as far as I understand it. I don't know. I it's, I have I have managed to say under the radar because I haven't done anything wrong. I do I do my taxes every year. I do it the way you know all of the forms. I fill out the forms. I do everything that I need to do. And when the IRS asks me a question, I answer the question the best of my ability, and I go on. And so far, knock on wood, so far I have been okay. That might not uh, that might not be the case for very long. But for this thing over here in, in India, you've got this uh, same kind of a situation where the government is, is applying some scrutiny here on the social medias. And the social medias are saying, they're going, no, 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 we can police ourselves. But I'm curious as to why Google would be opposed to that. Because if your other option is the government sticking their finger in your pie... Why would you want that? Why would Google be okay with the government getting involved with regulating stuff unless Google already is connected with government agencies and is okay with the government being involved with stuff because Google is a good surveillance tool we know that much. I mean, Google reads all your email. Google listens to your phones. Google's Google's looking at your social media and and, and all that other stuff. Maybe maybe they want the government looking over everyone's shoulder because it would make their job easier. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, from the article at a closed door meeting this week, an executive from Alphabet Inc. Google told other attendees the company was unconvinced about the merits of the self-regulatory body. The body would mean external reviews of decisions that could force Google to reinstate content even if it violated Google's internal policies, the executive was quoted as saying. Such directives from a self-regulatory body could set a dangerous precedent, the sources also quote the Google executive as saying. The sources declined to be identified as the discussions or private. In addition to Facebook, Twitter, and Google, representatives from Snap and popular Indian social media platform ShareChat also attended the meeting. Together, the companies have hundreds of millions of users in India. Snap and ShareChat also voiced concern about self-regulatory systems, saying the matter requires much more consultation, consultation 
including with civil society, the sources said. Google said in a statement it had attended a preliminary meeting and is engaging with the industry and the government, adding that it was, quote, exploring all options for a best possible solution. ShareChat and Facebook declined to comment. The other companies did not respond to Reuters' request for comment. Now, it's it's one of the... And again, you go in this whole idea of self-regulatory, and, and it's, a, it's an interesting point, is if you've got certain terms and conditions for your platform, and they're not exactly the same kind of terms and conditions for other platforms... Maybe this becomes similar to like the the United Nations Human Rights Commission or the Security Council or whatnot, and you just kind of go by whoever is the most popular that's got got the number of votes that'll tell you what you do. And I can understand Google's concern about that. You know, Google can sit there and say, well, we don't allow this on our platform. Well, Twitter does, and all of these others do, and so we're going to tell you that you have to. Okay. If the, regula- if the self-regulatory body can come up with a set of standards that can be applied all the way across the board that everybody can be happy with, then that would be a, a slightly better option than the government telling you. I mean, a self-regulatory body is, is you know, the whole thing, the whole idea of self-censorship and... and you know, cutting our nose off to spite our face is kind of dumb anyway. But I would much rather an industry police itself rather than the government come in and do it because what does the government know about this stuff? This was my question back during the whole Obamacare debate. Do you really want a, a an empty suit bureaucrat in Washington D.C. or some state capital somewhere or some some regulatory agency telling you your business when they don't have a clue is exactly how to how to do your business. I mean, if you've got if you've got people from whatever regulatory agency telling you how to how to run your hardware shop, for example, or how to run your your hospital and how to how to practice medicine if you've got i mean it's the same the same kind of problem i have with insurance companies i mean insurance companies they're 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 numbers guys they're they're uh accountants and your your actuaries and all this other stuff they're working off of tables and statistics and averages and whatnot and maybe they decide that they're not going to pay for the treatment of your cancer because you're not expected to live and you're going to die anyway, so why should we bother? There is something to be said for getting a lot of the regulatory stuff, the bureaucracy, what a lot of people call the deep state, the, the administrative branch, cut them loose, gut it. Because there's a lot of red tape, there's a lot of bloat, and I, you know, and here we go, adding 87,000 more agents to the IRS. It's going to be the biggest agency in the government, and, and I know, talking to, talking to people, the, the IRS is behind. They do have some, some places where they're shorthanded. Okay, fine, fill those gaps, but you don't need 87,000 people. 
You don't need 87,000 new agents, and you don't need all of them to be packing heat. That's for sure. So, uh, okay. And I guess, you know, the other, the other part of this is, is, you know, what difference would it make anyway? Because here's another, another article. This is from Quartz India. Headline, neither Google nor Facebook, an Israeli startup, is bringing India's small business online. So here's, here's an article. This is uh, July 20th from 2022. Uh, it was originally published December 3rd of 2017. And you've got uh, another uh, another platform out there that's competitive. Something something called Simba, and I don't know if uh, I don't know if this is still around even. But you know, this is now uh, last updated July twentieth, twenty twenty two. So I assume that it's around still. So there are other platforms that are out there to compete with Facebook and Google. I mean, we've seen it here in the United States with all of the alt tech is what they've been called. Uh, you know, uh, I guess you could say that TikTok is competitive. Oh, but yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, and you've got you know, Parler and, and MeWe and Minds and Truth Social and and Locals and you know, on the video side, you've got you've got Odyssey and you've got Rumble and you've got uh, BitChute out there. So, so competition in the marketplace is getting stronger. It's not totally completely there yet, but we're getting there. Maybe. I don't know. Cam says, I've been waiting for a response for six weeks for something that's supposed to be resolved in four days. Ick. Well, and, and <laughs> my own experience with tech support from a number of these places, there's a lot of boilerplate. There's a lot of bot chat. There's a lot of, you know, I understand that you're experiencing a problem with fill and blank. Let me see if I can help you with that. And you know that that's not a real person on the end of that line. You know that it's not someone actually typing this stuff in. There are chat bots galore at some of this stuff. And... I, I, I recently had an issue. I had, I had something show up at one of my bank accounts. And so I called and I got to person and person was able to resolve my, my issue and answer my question. And they're in a call center, but it's still an actual person. And I really appreciate that. I mean, sure, you've got the little phone menu for this, dial one, for this, press two. And da -da 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 -da. You got to go through the menu. But for an actual person to pick up the phone and say, hi, I'm, I'm going to help you with your problem. That's valuable. That's valuable tech support, customer support, customer service, whatever you're going to call it. And these tech, these tech companies, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all these other things, they don't, they don't do that. Not as much. Now, maybe for some of the bigger YouTube channels, because I know Jeremy Hambly over the quartering has, has talked about one-on-one uh, -on -one discussions that he's had with somebody at at YouTube who who helps him with issues and and stuff, and maybe that's something when a channel gets to a certain size, you know, subscriber-wise, watch time-wise, or whatever, maybe you do get a little bit more personal attention. I don't know. We're not big enough yet, so we don't get the personal attention. We get the bots, which okay, fine, give me a bot. 
but I just all right, when we get back, a little bit more on this because there are other cracks in in the the wall there and some of it involves Facebook cooperating with law enforcement. We will be back right after this with that. Don't go anywhere. If you unsubscribe to our podcasts, our legion is doomed. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Oh my goodness, that, Jason, is probably, I think, the hardest question you're going to ask. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. That's a good question, though. That's an interesting question. Question. That's a great question. Count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. Um, it's another great question. These are all really good questions. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with all of the bots. Some of our droids there on the shelf. Good to have all of you with us, uh, and and I I gotta say it's just been it's just been an interesting week all the way around, right? So you have uh, you have the tech companies that are starting to uh, go after each other. Now this is not this is not entirely new, but it's usually it's usually some government agency like the Department of Justice or something that's going after something like Microsoft or something like that. So for for the tech companies to start going after each other after all of this time where they get called onto the carpet and in congressional hearings and whatnot and they start they start spouting off all of the same kind of thing because you know how many times have we been we've been talking about uh, you know these platforms censoring conservatives and and right wing and Republican and Christian and all all these other other groups get a pass uh, if you're on the left or if you're you know LGBTQ or you know, any of that stuff and you know Jack has you know Jack Dorsey has admitted that Twitter leans left, and we know that that Zuckerberg has done all sorts of things to help the Democrat Party, and and you know all of the election stuff that we've found out lately. But Facebook might be coming under fire. As a matter of fact, there are some people who are not really happy about them right now because this story in the Guardian: Facebook gave police their private data. Now this duo face abortion charges. Now this comes out. Uh, it, following the Dobbs decision at the Supreme Court, which overturned Roe v. Wade and Casey and put the decision of the legality of abortions back to the states, which is where it should have been all along, which is where it was before Roe v. Wade. And when that decision was handed down, a lot of laws on the books in about 22 states got triggered and went active, some of them outlawing uh, abortions at a particular level and a particular time period and certain conditions and, and, and criteria and whatnot. 
And, you know, whatever your arguments are for or against or whatever, I'm not going to debate that. But Facebook has come under fire now because in Nebraska, I believe, they shared information with law enforcement. Uh, this is from the article in uh, from uh, Johanna Bayan. I hope I'm saying that right. In the wake of the Supreme Court's upheaval of Roe v. Wade, tech workers and privacy advocates expressed concerns about how the user data tech companies stored, how the user data tech companies stored would could be used against people seeking abortions. When a Facebook staffer posed the dilemma to the chief executive, Mark Zuckerberg, asking how the platform would protect the user data of individuals seeking abortion care, Zuckerberg said the company's ongoing push to encrypt messaging would help protect people from, quote, bad behavior or overbroad requests for information. But when local Nebraska police came knocking in June before Roe v. Wade was officially overturned, okay, so that's an, in that's an interesting distinction there. Facebook handed the user data of a mother and daughter facing criminal charges for allegedly carrying out an illegal abortion. Private messages between the two discussing how to obtain abortion pills were given to police by Facebook, according to the Lincoln Journal Star. The 17-year-old reports say was more than 20 weeks pregnant. In Nebraska, abortions are banned after 20 weeks of pregnancy. The teenager is now being tried as an adult. So the, the, the whole thing here is... It's, you know, Facebook gave over information. It gave, it, gave, it gave user data to the police. And we know from things that the government's mouthpieces have said that there's some cooperation going on between government agencies and the social media stuff. So it's okay in some cases when it's against conservatives, but it's not okay in other cases, I guess, maybe, because people are not happy about this. Uh, the affidavit in support of the search warrant reveals that a detective with the Norfolk Police Department asked Facebook for extensive user information for the teen's mother dating back to April 15th, 2022, including profile contact information, wall postings, and friend listings with Facebook IDs. The warrant and its details were first published by Motherboard. Authorities also requested all photos that uh, she uploaded was tagged in and private messages from April to the day the warrant was issued. So you got a government warrant, and I'm assuming that somebody at Facebook actually got to see the warrant. <clears throat> The company said the warrants they received in early June did not mention an abortion, but related to a police investigation of a stillborn baby. Uh, a Meta spokesperson, uh, spokesman Dave Arnold, both of these warrants were originally accompanied by non-disclosure orders, which prevented us from sharing information about them. The orders have now been lifted. So basically they're saying, they're saying you know, the, the police came to us and they said they're investigating this thing and they're asking for information, so we gave them the information, and it turns out that the investigation is not about this thing, it's about that thing. Disingenuous much? See, this is the kind of stuff that, one, leads to uh, uh, more distrust of law enforcement and plenty of distrust of the social media, because what did we have a, a few a few months ago when when Redhead was the the spokesperson for the for the White House, how they were coordinating with 
social social media platforms about disinformation. Remember, we got all that whole thing that that Ministry of Truth crap that came out. So the tech companies, you know, they're not squeaky clean on this stuff. But it's good to see that some people are starting to try to thump them a little bit for doing this kind of thing because since on the one hand these companies yes they're independent they're private companies they're doing their thing but at the same time if you've got if you've got these companies cooperating and basically following orders from a government entity whether it's federal or state and I'm not talking about law enforcement investigation. If you've got a legitimate investigation, a crime has been committed, you're looking into that, that there, there are other rules that are in place. If you've got a warrant and you come in and you serve this company with a warrant and you say, I want all of this data, I want all of this information, that's a different thing than the government coming in and saying, you need to shut this guy down. You need to shut that person down. You need to come. You need to, to censor this person and put these tags on this and fact check and yada yada yada, which we know that the Biden administration asterisk has been doing because they admitted as much, and it's still going on because here's uh, Alan West posting on Parlor that uh, his account on TikTok has been permanently banned because of a couple of videos that they posted regarding the Mar-a-Lago raid by the FBI. And, uh, you know, two million, two, two million views on a video uh, uh, questioning and, and commenting on, on that situation. And he's been permanently banned from TikTok. So, okay, um, censorship much? Because that's what this is. And, okay, fine, you're a private company, you're going to do your thing, whatever, but it doesn't look good when you're sitting there saying, uh, you know, this is wrong think, you should not be allowed to say this thing because... It's a bad thing. And we got another one. If I can call this up, if I can find it, let's let's pull this up because this is this is a direct attack on us, folks. And you have uh, information coming out. You know, we, we've all we've always suspected, at least in the last couple of years, we've suspected a lot of collusion between the government and social media. This is a this is a story. If I can get it to if I can get it to pull up, come on. See my browser. It's one of these things. One of these things. Alex Berenson posted on his uh, uh, on his site on his blog that he has information that comes from his lawsuit against Twitter that there were actual conversations among Twitter employees and members of the staff at the White House, and they specifically targeted him for a Twitter ban. Uh, this is uh, 
six hours ago, so uh, about uh, well, this, that would be Friday morning. The White House privately demanded Twitter ban me months before the company did so. Now, Alex Berenson has been has been banned from Twitter. I don't know if he's if he's back yet or not. But it says here, Biden administration Asterisk. officials asked Twitter to ban me because of my tweets questioning the COVID vaccines, even as company employees believed I had followed Twitter's rules. Internal Twitter communications reveal. This is the kind of stuff that it's going to take lawsuits to get this stuff out. It's to find out exactly what's been going on. And, and you're going to have to go through discovery and you're going to have to pull up emails and Slack conversations and all sorts of different things that happen internally where Twitter is basically sitting there saying, well, we can't find that he's doing anything wrong. And the White House is punching back saying, you've got to get him off. You've got to get him off the platform. You've got to ban him. You've got to put him out there because he's putting out misinformation. And what did we find out from the CDC this week? Oh, well, you know, they've changed their guidelines with masking and all this, basically saying, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work anyway. We're just going to leave it up to you, which how many of us were saying two years ago that that should be the case? Just leave it up to the individual. Don't, don't give us this this mandate for anything. Don't force us into stuff. And now the CDC's kind of thrown up their hands like, well, we can't do anything. Folks, the government is not your friend. And, 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 and Alois has got it right here. Uh, social media was always a trap. Yes. I will go further. Social media is a dumpster fire floating in a cesspool of toxic waste and radioactive sludge. That's social media. And you have this now where the government wants their fingers in it and they want to be able to tell the, the tech platforms, they want to be able to tell Google and YouTube and, and Twitter and Facebook and all these places, don't let that guy talk. This is censorship. This is a clear violation of the First Amendment. When you have people in the executive branch of the government telling a quote-unquote private company to censor someone's speech because he's questioning a government policy, that's a violation of the First Amendment, if I've ever heard one. And it's going to get worse. This FBI thing with Mar-a-Lago, that's, that's going to be the, the, the kickoff point for a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to sit there and they're going to take the, take the social media and they're going to complain. They're going to voice their 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 uh, anger and frustration. And that's exactly what these people are looking for. They're looking for the quote-unquote violent rhetoric so they can come after you. They're looking for incidents like this guy taking a nail gun and attacking a, an FBI office in Cincinnati. They want that kind of stuff folks. They want the anger and the vitriol and the violence because that gives them an excuse to come in and establish a police state, whether it's National Guard or Army or Secret Service or FBI or whatever. 
And Dan's exactly right. This that's that's a that's an excellent point right there. You cut out a man's tongue, you don't prove him a liar, you only show that he's saying what you don't want to hear. And how many of these incidents involve people that the, the, the Department of Justice were already aware of and they let it happen anyway? I'm just saying, I, not to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but a lot of conspiracy theories over the last couple of two, three years have turned out to be true. And have at least had some element of truth. And it doesn't help when you have someone working for Twitter who apparently was a spy for Saudi Arabia. This is Business Insider. An ex-Twitter employee was found guilty of spying for Saudi Arabia in exchange for a $20,000 watch and a $300,000 payment. This is August 10th. Katie Canales, the author of the story, one of two ex-Twitter employees charged with spying on users on behalf of Saudi Arabia has been officially convicted. A federal court in California found Ahmad Abuamo, who has both American and Lebanese citizenship, guilty of compiling the personal Twitter information of anonymous users that spoke critically of the Saudi government and handing the data to Crown Prince Mohammed Bin Salam, uh, Mohammed bin Salman's close aid. In exchange, the court found that the close aid gave Abu Amo a $20,000 luxury watch and deposited $300,000 to a Lebanese account set up in his father's name. He was also found guilty of charges including money laundering, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, falsifying records. The other ex-Twitter employee charged in 2019, Ali Al-Zabara, fled to Saudi Arabia to escape being tried per TechCrunch. Now, let me ask a question. Just, just let me ask a question here. Given, given that Facebook has given over, handed over fed, uh, information through a, through a police warrant, and okay, it's a warrant, but how, how much of a leap would it be because we know that the government and the social media uh, companies are cooperating with each other. We know this. They've acknowledged as much. The, um, the, the White House press secretary, Jen, Jen Psaki, admitted as much. I mean, bragged about it before circling back and then going to work for MSNBC. How much of a leap would it be for this kind of thing here to happen on behalf of the United States government, where you have the compiling of personal Twitter information, the compiling of personal social media information of anonymous users speaking critically of the U.S. government and handing that data over to the FBI. Because we know that the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland was already looking at parents who were complaining at their school board meetings 
And then the National School Board Association was sitting there saying, hey, these people need to be treated like domestic terrorists. You got to do something about this. They're saying things we don't like to hear. They're hurting our feelings. Were there some threats? Maybe. Yes. Possibly. Some disruptive behavior in the meetings? Of course. But parents are angry about a lot of things, and justifiably so. But if the Department of Justice is seriously considering looking at parents as domestic terrorists, and they were, we've seen the documentation, how much of a leap is it to sit there and say, well, the government could just go over to Facebook and say, hey, give us all of the data on everybody that's complaining about Joe Biden. Give us all of the data of everybody that's complaining about the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. And look, over here, by, by, by some coincidence, TikTok has already banned people for criticizing the FBI about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Technology is not your friend, folks. The social media environment it's not friendly to you. You are the product. You can be manipulated. You can be, you can be censored. You can be deplatformed. And really, as much as, as, as you want to think that these alt-tech platforms are safe, relatively, all of them have terms and conditions. You need to mind your P's and Q's no matter which platform you're on. I'm just saying, we need to stop relying so much on using the social media stuff for communication. Because it will come back to bite you. And, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm I, on my, my personal Facebook page, I'm putting out links to all sorts of stories that... that that talk about this kind of stuff. And I'm fairly certain that I'm, that, you know, I, who knows, I could be on a watch list or something. I have no idea. And yeah, Death Angel Shadow is right. Uh, a seemingly ton of conspiracies over the past few years played out to be true or partly true. How many, how many, how many, uh, how many times have you put money in the jar when Alex Jones got proven to be right. How many of these alt-tech, how many of these alternative media, independent media sites have been attacked through swatting over the last couple of years? I mean, how many, how many times has Tim Pool had the police show up on his doorstep? Jeremy Hambly over the quartering. I mean, the SWAT team showed up and had him, you know, hands on your head, back out on the door, get out on the ground type of thing. I mean, guns drawn and and who knows? You know, Peter Samedi's been swatted. How many other people have been? It happens. And it's going to keep happening. And somebody is going to get hurt. And there's going to be a lot of pain between now and November here in the United States, we've got midterm elections coming up in November. And I will predict, I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I was kind of sort of wrong after Dobbs. I figured Dobbs would set off a number of different things going on with the riots and everything. I figured there would be more uh, disruption and, and that sort of thing. But 
I fully expect a a midterm red wave bloodbath. The Democrats are going to get shellacked, and I fully expect riots after that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And if I am, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be happy to sit there and say, hey, I was wrong. It didn't happen. I'll be glad to be wrong on that. And yeah, Daniel, you're right. Red flag laws, that that's there's there's that's that's not any there's nothing good could come of that. Because those could get abused. You bet. No question those red flag any any red flag laws are gonna be are gonna be abused. But it's incumbent upon us who are in this independent media space, people like me, people like uh, you know, Jeremy and, and the Geeks and Gamers people and, and Nick Ricada and, and and Richard Hogue and all, all anybody who's an independent creator on YouTube or Odyssey or wherever probably would be a good idea to have a conversation with your local law enforcement and so there go, you know, I'm I'm online, I'm a broadcaster, I'm a media person. This is a thing called swatting. Are you familiar with it? Let's make sure that we have this conversation here before something stupid happens and somebody gets killed. I don't know. Death Angel Shadow says, Ultimately, I hope Elon does take Twitter and revoke those policies they're implementing. I pray he's playing 4D chess with them. Funny enough, you should, you should say that because I do have this one last story to share. And it does revolve around Elon. This is, uh, this is Crowder's site where I'm finding this. Amid Twitter deal fiasco, Elon Musk sells billions in Tesla stock, teases starting a new social media platform. Uh, as the battle between Twitter and Elon Musk continues to drag out, Elon Musk is, is busy preparing contingency plans. You don't become the richest man in the U.S. without being able to plan for worst-case scenarios. According to FEC filings shared by one user on Twitter, Musk recently sold off $6.9 billion worth of Tesla stock. He admitted in a reply to the tweeted documents that he was preparing for the hopefully unlikely event that Twitter forces the deal to close and some equity partners don't come through. Sale of the stocks now means... Musk wouldn't have to perform an emergency sale of stock if it were to occur. So basically, the lawsuit that says, hey, you said you were going to buy Twitter. We're now suing, so you do buy Twitter. And he's saying that if some of the, some of the money guys don't pull through, he's sold some Tesla stock in order to cover, cover the bill. But another Twitterite entered the chat and asked what some of us have been asking for a while now. Have you thought about creating your own social media platform if the Twitter deal doesn't come through? Elon's answer was his usual idiosyncratic mix of cryptic and comical. Uh, he says x.com. So who knows if, you know, if like we need another social media platform. I mean, come on. We're already on 10 of them and probably shouldn't be. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, well, you know, we, we should at least have the brand there so nobody squats on it and, and takes it because that happened to Geeks and Gamers. That happened to Jeremy. Uh, but uh, I, we don't... Uh, who knows? I, uh, just something. I don't know. 
Uh, majority of us, ham, oh, ham radio tend to lean, lean libertarian and conservative, a bunch of self-proclaimed preppers. I Look, I, I, I don't talk about it much here, but we've got three freezers in the garage. Yeah, we've got food. We we don't we don't we're not preppers so much of the fact of you know we've got a fallout shelter dug in the backyard or anything like that. But you know, looking at the food shortages, looking at the supply chain shortages and that sort of thing, you do have to take some precautions. You do have to start planning accordingly. And you know, we've got a garden started and and that sort of thing. But you know, it's it's pain pain is is coming. More pain is coming before it gets better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Hopefully, all of you out there uh, can keep your heads down. Keep your heads on a swivel, because you never know who's coming after you next. So, anyway. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, Good Morning Multiverse, with the headlines for the week. Uh, so join us for that. And yes, as I said, we've got 10 different social media platforms. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for. There's a PayPal tip jar uh, and uh, various different video platforms where you can find us as well. So do join us over there for all of that. Of course, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming back and, and for staying with us and, uh, and, and staying connected to us. Hopefully we're doing something of value and we continue to, uh, we continue to do so. So uh, uh, on that note, I will, I will give you this, uh, this to remember. The words of the prophet are written on the subway walls. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.